Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. I'm Dana Zook. I'm Josh Bashong. Well, we're all back together again. We have a special guest today. I invited Trent back to give us some economics highlights. Economic highlights as we move through the tail end of winter. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming, Trent. Uh, we pulled him from his job down the street. He didn't have too far to travel. Trent is now a risk management advisor with Comark Equity Alliance. That's right. So uh, we are moving through, it seems like early spring, guys, yeah. isn't it? We've Pretty had close. enough warm days and I've just decided mentally to lean into the spring and the groundhog didn't see its shadow. That means it's spring. He didn't go hide. So isn't it like six more weeks of winter if he jumps back into his hole? I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know. So is it spring almost or spring a long time from now? I don't know. Sooner rather than later. Okay. I don't know. You guys don't know the groundhog situation? Yeah. What I do know is the mesonet put out their map about the alfalfa weevils and we're getting closer to accumulating enough days for that. So Really? Yeah. They did? When did they put that out? It was on Facebook this morning, I believe. Oh. So it's been warm enough to do that. Well, in southeast Oklahoma, was it over 150? Something I think like right here we're at 90 something. So Growing units? Something like that. Okay. All right. One of those terms. I don't know anything about that. Sounds that sounds very intelligent. It Growing. does. He left <laughs> extension and now Trent sounds really intelligent. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, uh, so Trent, we invited you back to give some insight on grain and livestock markets. So I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I'll do my best. So before we do that, Josh, why don't you give us a quick update of kind of the state of the growing season? Because, you know, it's kind of warmer now. So tell us about it. So we're sitting really good for the wheat. Uh, we've got a lot of good wheat pasture still out there. Looking at the recent crop reports for NAS, um, National Ag Statistic Services. We're sitting very well. We got a lot of cows still on on wheat right now. I think they said we are about 55% grazed at the end of January. So that's higher than average. You look at the last five years, that's maybe 20% more than what we had. So we're sitting a lot more stalkers and cows on wheat right now. So that tells you something that the wheat's doing pretty good to have enough forage out there to keep stalkers out this late. As we were starting to get closer to go reproductive, hit first haul stem and jointing, the wheat's going to go up very quick pace. I think we still have a lot of guys that still need to get some top dress out, still need to manage some pests and weeds. Uh, so those are going to be out there as fast as we can get across the ground. I know this past few weeks, guys have been getting all over a lot of acres, but trying to work around mud holes for the most part. I'd say most of the wheat looks great. The early sown wheat for pasture, like I said, the stand's decent. Uh, some came up right away. Some came up with the a rain later in the season. Our typical grain-only wheat uh, is there. Uh, a lot of it melted down, just like the early sown wheat with those freezes early January. We had over 100 hours below freezing. That melted off, melted off more leaf tissue than I anticipated, but most of the tillers are still viable that I've seen. Uh, so we're starting to green back up. We're going at a fast pace. I thought we we're going to have a later first loss done, but it seems like we're starting to hit pretty quick. At the recording of today, we're starting to see some varieties pop off at first loss done at Chickasha, uh, knocking on the door at Stillwater. So we need to start looking at pulling those stalkers off pretty quick. But the wheat, like I said, we got good moisture underneath it. Uh, looking at mesnet data, we got good soil, soil moisture all the way down to two feet. Uh, so we're sitting good for soil moisture to really make a good crop. And like I said, the stands are there and the wheat's looking pretty healthy. 
haven't had much issues with diseases. Uh, very few issues with insects and mites. Uh, and then weeds, like I said, is probably our biggest issue in getting those timely, uh, those weed acres sprayed in a timely fashion is my biggest concern right now. Very good. Yeah. That's a great update. Good Josh. synopsis. Yes, it's a positive synopsis. Yes, which I'm is, very optimistic right yeah, now. Yeah, it's at this time last year, pretty dismal, yeah. right? So we're just very fortunate. So like last year, we only had 36% of the weed acres grazed at the end of January, so up quite a bit from last year. And that's surprising that it was even that high. I yeah. didn't even think that there was that much to graze. So now that we are kind of on the grains topic trent why don't you mm -hmm. give us kind of an update on on just grain markets in general we can maybe get into a few specifics as we get farther into it yeah so that's a pretty pretty broad topic there if you want to talk about grains if you look at the entire com grain complex it's been in a, a decline for the last several months and then you could go all the way back to last year <clears throat> looking at those those prices coming down and there's a lot of reasons for that but when we're thinking about wheat in general, the main thing you have to concern yourself with is the world supply of wheat and, and who's doing the supplying of that wheat to the mm -hmm. rest of the countries. The U.S. has had a lot of difficulty getting into the export market, and that has a lot to do with Russia. Russia has had two years of very good wheat crops, and for various reasons, they're trying to sell that wheat. And so they've been kind of dictating the bottom of the market. You know, we saw saw a level somewhere around $250 a metric ton is kind of what what analysts were throwing out there that they were selling their wheat for on the open market. And then here recently, whenever we saw the wheat market drop off even more, that there was talk that they were lowering that to 235 So really setting the bar pretty low there for prices when it comes to wheat on the world market. And we saw Paris wheat markets drop off because of that. And, any, and it just makes it very difficult for us to ship wheat out of this country into the export market. So it becomes a mill market. So it's heavily influenced by flour mills in the region and what what they need from from producers and from grain companies to to make the product that they're trying to produce. Very good. So what about what about corn that has impacted kind of our cattle markets? So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, with the corn market, there was a lot of people over the summertime hoping that I guess they were hoping they, they thought that their yields were pretty bad and they thought the prices might respond to that. But it turns out that we actually had a pretty good corn crop in the U.S. all, all told. So it's it, I've been doing this. Well, I started with extension back in 2014. And every time it seems like we hear that there's going to be something wrong with the corn crop and it just either hits trend yield or keeps on going higher. And there's not a whole lot that happens to affect the corn market in this country on a grand scale, except it seems like to go down, you know, right. we, they, they talk about how we're going to have poor yields or we're going to have, um, we're not going to have enough corn and every year. We just keep churning out decent corn crops and, and that's weighed heavily on that market. You know, you see values on the futures market and the mid fours and you start backing basis off of that, you know, it's not going to be long before we're pretty close to $3 corn. And you have to start asking yourself, you know, where is that break even? What, what can those, producers uh, grow corn for and we look at the look at Oklahoma markets you know I've been talking to some producers about whether or not they'll go back with corn and and it's part of the rotation they're very heavily dependent on their rotation so we will see decent amount of corn get produced we had really good corn crop in Oklahoma last year and that that helped out a lot of people especially if they were corn soybean mix because the soybean crop was dismal as most as most everybody knows and I think we'll see a decent amount of corn go out again. Uh, sometimes corn and, and Milo get talked about in the same sentence too. And 
this past summer, we had pretty good Milo prices because China was in the market. Seems like China is starting to exit that Milo market again. So it's unclear about you know, what, what the Milo prices will do. We base that off of the corn price, but it's all on the basis when it comes to Milo and how strong that market can be is based off of, you know, that demand from Chinese markets. So then you think about soybeans, uh, let's go to South America and see what's going on there. You know, Brazil is looking at having a, a poor, a more poor soybean crop than they're used to, but still probably good enough given the fact that Argentina Soybeans have been pretty good to, to offset some of the, the loss in that Brazilian crop. That markets just are risk off. We've been seeing that market degrade and prices go down over time. And there's just not a lot of positive news there to, to try to pop these markets. So when you look at soybeans, corn and wheat all together, we've been in the slow decline over the last several months. And here recently, we've seen these markets trying to kind of reestablish a floor with, with wheat and corn, you see some bottoms being made. You do have new lows and, and the market pops back up and soybeans are kind of doing their own action a little bit up, up above where wheat and corn's at. So the next few months are going to be critical to me when I think about what type of decisions are gonna be made. We see corn and soybeans kind of fight with each other uh, here in the springtime, vying for acres and, and markets might adjust a little bit accordingly as planted intentions start coming out. But as a producer, I'm very concerned with bottom lines. You know, as a risk management advisor at Comark Equity Lines, we, we talk a lot about our philosophy for grain marketing and it all starts with a budget. So that, that might be a good place to, to begin thinking about, you know, your marketing strategy. So if you look at wheat, you can ask people what, what their break even might be on wheat. And, when I, when I have meetings now, I just put a blank PowerPoint up there and I ask them to tell me what stuff costs. And I was out at Alva at a meeting here recently and we started putting numbers on the board and it kept getting higher and higher and higher. And pretty soon we got really close to $300 an acre. Yeah. And we just haven't, we haven't had that. I mean, you think that's fair, Josh? But what all goes into that? An honest budget. It's probably going to be yeah. pushing that 225 to 300 yeah, that's crazy. I know a lot of guys mentally are thinking 100, 150, but you start adding it up, it gets mm -hmm. a, it gets there. So then, what's your wheat price going to be? Right? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's what I'm thinking. So, if on the board we're trading somewhere around 550, and maybe a good average basis for North Central Oklahoma is 50 under, if you're looking at five dollars, well, it becomes pretty clear there that what kind of a wheat crop do you have to have to make any money? Oh my yeah. gosh, what's your what's your average yield? Is yeah. that 50? I mean, no, no, <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Like that's not even come close to $300. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that we still consider 30 to 35 as an average crop in okay. this area. You can kind of argue 35 to 40 uh, as of late, but. Yeah, yeah, it all depends on where you are, obviously. But I mean, you need 60 bushels at $5 to make 300 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. So, and if you, if you aren't going to have, if you aren't going to have 60 bushels, what's the other alternative? The price has to go up. And I know which one's easier for us to influence. It's obviously yield. There's nothing we can do about the price. And if you look at, you look out even at 2025, the, the market's somewhere around 650 on futures at that point. So you're looking more like a $6 price if you use a 50 under basis, which is different every year. It's, it's tough to predict what basis will be. But at that point, you know, you're still thinking 
I'm going to need every bit of 40 bushels up to 50 bushels with a $6 prize to, to come in somewhere in there and make money. So it's a little more dire than, than some people might want to give it credit for. We're, there's a lot of optimism out there about how good the crop might be this year, especially right. coming off of the last several years where we've had poor wheat crops. But as a in my job, when I look at price, I'm thinking this there's a dire problem sitting out here, and that's the fact that we keep eroding this wheat price day after day after day. And even if we have a big yield, we're, we're struggling there to make some money. So it comes into a bunch of different things that you can do with contracting and that sort. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll pause for a little bit and see what you guys have to say about all no, that. No, absolutely. I'd say I we could maybe take a step back. Like I said earlier, half the crop is being grazed. So we're making mm -hmm. some money there. How's that offset in your budget? Yeah. So that all depends on what you did whenever you bought the cattle. Because yeah. when we came into the fall, cattle calf prices were extremely strong there was a lot of optimism there the market seemed like it was just running so we had people buy cattle we always again the default answer is risk manage price or you know price those cattle either with futures or options or something you know to just offset some of that risk because we're always scared of the the market coming down yeah well i don't and there's also lrp livestock risk protection mm -hmm. insurance that they can purchase so there's there's all these different tools out there that people can use so whether they use something like that or not, what the reality of what happened is right around the first of the year, the cattle market did a pretty big correction. Yeah. And we saw the, that market come back. And then there's a lot of negative sentiment surrounding cattle at that point because you're thinking, well, we probably grazed them all winter and we might make up for the loss in price. And that's not that great of a situation. But now we have seen prices increasing and recovering here as we move into spring into more of the time period where we're gonna start selling. I imagine the big wheat pasture runs are gonna be coming here pretty quick, yeah. if not already, mm -hmm. by the time this this episode publishes. But What were the cost of gains you kind of heard this year? Oh, they were all over the board, yeah. but you know, maybe as low as 60 cents up to 80 cents. I heard some closer to a dollar, but that was pretty, pretty low observations there. For I think, someone that doesn't know, what, how would you explain cost of gain? <sighs> Why don't you explain it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's just the cost of putting weight on cattle, and, and you get to that cost to gain number by understanding a lot of different things, especially when it comes to wheat. There's a lot of variables that go into that. I I like to think about what your loss to your grain yield is as a part of that, a part of that number as a true cost of grazing wheat, but then also, you know, we can look at conversion factors and how much you're going to eat and what your stocking rate is and all the different feeds that you're going to put out there. But well, basically, whenever we pay a farmer to run cattle on wheat, we're trying to replace their lost value to their wheat crop and then share in some of that gain from from the calf value standpoint. So well, basically a, a form of rental payment to the landowner for running right. the stalkers on the wheat. So Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, what, 30 pounds of nitrogen for every 100 pounds of beef removed. So that's a true yeah. cost that we have to replace by doing that. And then but we might reduce our wheat yield by 10% if we graze it. Very depends on the year. Yeah. But One out of 25, we might make more on the grazed yeah. wheat. <laughs> you know, some of our livestock specialists pull out yeah. that one year. But yeah, oh, geez. typically 10% reduction yeah. in grain yield on grazed wheat. Yeah, so you're trying to pay the, pay the producer to fertilize, pay them to apply that fertilizer, pay them for their lost grain yield and then share with them and, and the value of those cattle yeah. being out there and there's some depreciation to fencing and things like that that probably goes into those in-depth calculations but yeah all negotiable so. yeah yeah so and it does seem like it 
it's highly variable just depending on how much value of gain. So you got cost of gain that we're talking about, then you have value of gain to yeah. the cattle. And and a, they have to share in that value of gain because at some point a producer or someone growing the wheat can do it themselves instead of bringing cattle in. So you always have to share in some of that. But Very good. Trent, what about, uh, Josh mentioned this before we started talking short graining wheat here pretty quick. Yeah, right around the corner, uh, March 15th for Oklahoma, we got to decide, are we going to short rate their wheat and pay only 6% of the premium or are we going to take it to grain? So like I said, optimistic on the wheat yields this year, but also it's going to make a lot of grazing mm -hmm. decision challenges. One could argue agronomically, we're going to be at first all stem way before March 15th. So hopefully that decision's made before then, but hard and fast we gotta make that decision pretty quick yeah and that's stuff there's a lot of different things that can go into short rating but basically it's determining that you do not want to insure that grain crop anymore and you want to do something else with it that can yeah. be hay that can that can be a lot of different things and i would encourage producers to to go out there and look because i mean as wet of a winter as we've had the the weed pressure is incredibly high in some yeah. fields and you know it might be a situation where you want to you want to graze a little bit longer and then you want to hay it but you know, for most people, that's a hard March 15th deadline. You have to make that decision. Paperwork has to be turned in before that date. You don't, yeah. you can't go after that date. So that's definitely one of those hard and fast deadlines in the insurance industry where you have to make that decision ahead of time and be communicating that. So again, that's just be thinking about the different things you want to do. You don't, if you, I guess you don't have to do it, yeah. but then you still owe the full <laughs> amount if you decide to graze out or something like that. So that's definitely something to consider. And then it opens up opportunities to insure other crops if you if you short rate that and terminate that that crop before it makes grain. Like I said, it's usually easier if we don't have a good outlook on the wheat and there's maybe more high hopes for a summer crop. We can try to get that wheat off, graze it off or hate it off, like you said, and get back to something else. But I'd say it's almost a trickier decision now with the price of mm -hmm. livestock and wheat. It's kind of harder to decision. It's a marginal budgeting decision and it's different for everybody. You know, one thing that we, if you're hiring wheat cut for custom cutters or something like that, those costs, I would imagine, are going to see a, a decent increase this year. We've seen that with all of our custom rates, with just the cost of doing business going up so much. Inflation hits everybody, especially the ag sector. So if we see those increased costs for harvesting, you can consider if you have cattle that can continue out there and, and, and keep going, maybe that's cheaper than harvesting that wheat. I'm thinking about the different the extra fertilizer you might have to put out there if you're going to graze and maybe you forego your herbicide applications and yeah. a fungicide application because you're grazing you save some money there and but if you have to go out there and do put another turn of cattle out there maybe you, you take out the ones and then you put a new set out there there's associated costs with that as well so that's never been an easy thing for me to to tell people to do we built those marginal budgets in the past but it's very individual whenever you think about making those decisions. So I just encourage people to, to reach out to someone and help them help them make some of those calculations if they want to do that. This might be out of your wheelhouse for crop insurance, but if someone's like on enterprise units, mm -hmm. can they just short rate certain fields or do they have to be all or nothing? Yeah. So the main situation you'd run into there is if you if you short rate enough to kick yourself out of the qualifications for enterprise units, mm -hmm. having, having to have um, like at least two wheat fields in different sections in order to qualify. And, and that's very simplistic, <laughs> but yeah. but that would be a situation. Uh, you might change your unit structure if you short rated too much or, or something like that. Okay. But otherwise, yeah, you can, so, you can pick, you pick individual fields that you want to short rate and you go into, you make those decisions individually. 
good communication with your crop agent. So. Yeah, it's always easier to make those have those conversations <laughs> early on instead of the last minute. So when everybody's calling, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a lot that goes in on the backside. A lot of processing and stuff has to happen behind the scenes. So yeah, you, you might call on March 15th and think you made the deadline, but a lot of stuff has to happen in the background as well. So I definitely wouldn't wouldn't encourage pushing that deadline if you do want to make some some decisions mm -hmm. there. Keep in mind, if, like you said, weedy fields, we see all a lot of those fields go to being hayed off. But keep in mind, we don't want to be putting those weedy hay bales, wheat hay bales on cleaner fields mm -hmm. next year. So, And that brings up another good point. If you're, you know, short rate's one thing, but if for some reason you don't end up short rating and you want to hay, you know, contacting your insurance agency and get those fields adjusted and get a yield off of those, an adjusted yield off of those farms before you hay is also very important. Yeah. If, they're, if they're backed up, Sometimes you see people leave strips out there, but talking to your insurance adjuster is always the best bet there. Uh, talk to your agent, get a claim put in, and then talk to that adjuster and, and get some clarity before you just start going out and swathing without <laughs> without contacting. There's, there's give or take there, it's a relationship. I mean, if you don't have any crop insurance, you can do whatever you want, I guess. Yeah. But but whenever you do have crop insurance, it is a partnership there and you need to, need to fill in some of those uh, questions that they have before you go and do something different than just going out there for grain. So I got one big kicker question for you, Trent. Mm -hmm. What's the harvest price going to be this year for wheat? You want a price at a given time. That's something you never ask economists. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll hold you to it. We'll what what I can do is give you my philosophy. And whenever I think about what the biggest risk to producers are, it's it's losing money on a budget. Mm. You're in and you're out. You want to make sure you're selling what you produce for more than it costs you to produce it, so you can do it another year. Sounds easy. It sounds easy. And whenever we built those budgets and we talk, we throw out numbers like $250, $300 an acre. When I look at the current price, if I can lay off some risk right now, whether that's through contracting, you know, there's hedge to arrive contracts where you're just setting the futures price. And then there's purchase contracts that include futures price and the basis. Doing something to lay off some of that risk is incredibly important to me. So that way, if everything goes well and the price goes up, well, we didn't lose money maybe on what we currently already priced and we can participate in that market going up. Worst case scenario, we have some big wheat crop and we don't do any forward contracting and the price goes down. Well, then in that situation, maybe you have one of the better wheat, yeah. wheat yields that you've had in the last several years and it didn't matter because the price was so low, you still lost money. If I'm looking at current prices, you know, I think there's a better chance that we're going to see cash prices somewhere in that five to five fifty range than six to six fifty. So I'll give you I'll give you a range there of <laughs> what I think will probably happen. And again, that's just my guess. Who knows? But there's a lot of pressure out there in the market currently on wheat. It's gonna take some some black swan event or some fundamental shift to to push prices higher, in my opinion. So that's that's where I come at from a risk management standpoint is really sure. trying to lay off that risk at a price where I think I can make money. And I think we're getting pretty close to being lower than that figure as markets continue to erode. That's awesome, Trent. Thank you for that grain kind of market outlook. It was a big picture question, but yeah. I think you did a great job. Thank you for that. So we're going to kind of hold it here with the grain markets and in a future episode, talk about cattle. Hold, hold Trent here and make him talk cattle with us here in a future episode. But um, thanks for joining us today. Trent, thanks for coming, taking thanks the time. Me. Josh, thanks for the great questions oh, no from problem. a grain standpoint. So 
we will have some information in the show notes if you're interested in, in some extra kind of things we talked about. But until next time, listeners, thank you for joining us and have a wonderful week. 